Hello and welcome to the latest uh, Forever Blue podcast uh, being recorded just after City's 2-0 home victory against Everton and ahead of the midweek trip to Denmark to face FC Copenhagen in the Champions League. Uh, big thanks to two sponsors who support me on this podcast, one of them being Amar Development, who are uh, a company that look after all sorts of buildings in Greater Manchester, for example, like the Pyramid just near the M60. So big shout out and thanks to them. But also to Counting King, who are specialists in all types of business accounting, particularly they are specialists in research and development R&D tax credits, which is something you can think of if you run a business and you want to try to reduce your tax bill perfectly legitimately and a very, very good company who know what they're doing. So if that's something that can work for you, uh, but they also arrange business loans and all sorts of other stuff. So look them up on uh, on Tintinet, as they as they say, Google them. Um, they're called Counting King. They're based in Salford at Salford Keys. So look them up, bring the number, ask for Gary or just whoever answers the phone and they'll sort you out. So I'm big thanks to them for supporting the podcast. Uh, now, today's guests are Will, who is not only a regular contributor, but helps me with uh, editing and all sorts of other stuff. So he's a very valuable member of the Forever Blue team. We've got David, who's a time-to-time contributor. He's been on a couple of times before. Uh, and also the great Brian Horton, former city manager, um, who, of course, everybody loves. I mean, I don't know a City fan who's got a bad word to say about Brian. Um, if you're talking about beloved former City managers, I think Brian's pretty much top of the tree. So thanks to the three of you for, for joining me. Let me start with you, Brian. Let me start by the question that every fan would want me to ask, because most people will be aware that you've been going through some uh, cancer treatment. How are you? How's how's the treatment going? I'm feeling good, Cheesy. Um Luckily, uh, through Steve Parkin, who's number two at Wrexham, who had been for a medic, private medical uh, at the private hospital in, in Wilmslow through the League Managers Association. And he stays over with me occasionally because he lives in workshop, obviously working at Wrexham. So sometimes he stays over so he doesn't have to go all the way. Anyway, he'd been for his tests and he, he said to me, have you been for your tests? And I said, no, I haven't. I felt all right. Anyway, he said, you should go. The LMA look after is great. So I went and Dr. Sally uh, in, in the hospital, whose baby it is, the hospital in Wilmslow. Um, she did a couple of procedures and asked about my family background with uh, my grandma, my mom, my brother, as we speak, as he's very poorly with cancer. And she said, I think you need to go for, for, for a, a scan. So she got me fixed up at Stockport and they found it uh, very, very small, very early. So luckily, what Parky said to me and through Dr. Sally and the LMA, uh, they found it early. And so I've had my treatment uh, a bit before Christmas, main of it before Christmas, radiotherapy. John Bell's been great. Colin Bell's son has been great. So I went to uh, Christie's in, in, in Disbury for a little while, but I had all my treatment at uh, Christie's in Macclesfield. So everybody's been great. Jeez, they really have. And I, I feel good apart from sometimes feeling a little bit tired at night, which they said would happen. And... Um, We've just got to wait now and have a couple of things that I still have to do through the through the six month period in terms of any injections to keep the radiotherapy working, and then find out you know where where we stand uh, in about six months time. Well, fingers crossed, and it's good to to see you looking so well and and hear that that seems to be progressing well. And just to reiterate for anybody listening who isn't aware that it's prostate cancer that it, this that you're talking about, isn't it? That's the specific type of yeah. cancer that, it's, that it is. Uh, did you get to the game today against Everton? I did. Uh, I go to every home game. Um, you know, they look after they look after me great. Uh, my wife and family if they want to go and. Uh, I just love going, cheesy. You know the football they're playing and how sides are going to come up and and set up against them like Everton Everton did today. You know, uh, everybody behind the ball and make it hard. And it, it's just a matter of time sometimes. And sometimes, obviously, it'll go against City. Not everything goes, but um, it's just a, a pleasure to go and be looked after great and see some great football. What did you make of today? I mean, it felt a little bit frustrating, particularly the first half. And one or two people on the match day vlog that I do said that the side felt a little bit unbalanced. Was that a case of Pep just managing his squad for fatigue? Yeah, he's got to a little bit. They go to Copenhagen in, in, in midweek. So, you know, for the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, who's coming back from a long-term injury, can he, can he play him every game? Arlen's just coming back into it, and so he has to be careful. But he's got enough players to 
to uh, to to. To, to select basically Nunes had a, had a chance today uh, Doku was in so he's got lots and lots of players isn't it but the way sides are coming they're going to make it difficult because if they try and take City on there's only one winner but there's only generally one winner when, when it happens because as soon as City score and Haaland got a good goal and, and then he got a second one from De Bruyne come on sub and Bernardo Silva come on I mean you know when you th- when you listen to those names who are coming off the bench and coming on your pitch I mean it lifts everybody and I mean Kevin De Bruyne it lifts the whole stadium well, it's certainly a, a team worth watching at the moment. And, and now Haaland gets the, the two goals that win the game. And the headline will be Haaland getting the two goals. That's the one I would have looked at. Was it perhaps De Bruyne that ultimately made the difference, do you think? It does make a difference. But I, I, I like Jack Grealish. I mean, Grealish, Doku's played there today. Jack comes on. Jack had one of the highest stats in, in, in making goals and chances last season and he does the defensive side really, really well. I think he's been a bit unlucky to be out the side where he came on and did well. I mean, when you're thinking, you know, you can bring Kovacic on, you can bring Bernardo uh, Silva on, you can bring Haaland on, you can bring De Bruyne on. It, it, it's just mind-blowing, really. But, um, you know, sides are going to make it tough for them because if they come and open up, they're going to they're going to get beat 4 or 5 now. I don't, I don't personally like it. You know, Peter Reid was there today with Trevor Stevens, uh, Trevor Stevens and Adrian Heath. We were talking about it because, you know, under Howard Kendall, they would have never come and played like that. They would have had a go. My sides, I would, I would always prefer to go and have a go. And if you lose, you lose. But at least you've had a go. So I, I don't particularly like that to watch. But City generally dominate. And, you know, 99 times out of 100, they're, they're going to win the game, aren't they? Because they they will create chances. I mean, Arlen took his first one brilliantly with his right foot and then De Bruyne put him through with, a, again, another sublime pass and he went on and I, I fancy him to score because, again, he needed that first goal because that, that gives him confidence as well. But they've got a hell of a squad at Cheesy. They really have. Yeah, and, and Everton, to be fair to them, um, they're battling for the survival, 10-point deduction and all the rest of it. Not only did they put 10 men behind the ball, but they used every trick in the book, didn't they? A player staying down and another with 10 minutes added on at the end, so perhaps some of that time was got back. But they knew how to play that part of the game, didn't they? Yeah, they're going to try everything the sides that come, aren't they? Um, to to try and uh, and get a point, pick a point up. A point for Everton would have been fantastic today with my old club Luton uh, losing to Sheffield United. This is how topsy-turvy the league is, isn't it? From top to bottom, you never know. Burnley took the lead at Liverpool, couldn't hold on. And it's a, a topsy-turvy league. So you can understand sides coming to the Etihad and trying to think, oh, can we go through 95 minutes as it happens today, 100 minutes without conceding? Very, very difficult to do that with the players that you're playing against. It really is. Well, let's get the view of the, the lads as well. Um, let's start with uh, Will, who uh, was, I presume, at the game. Will, what, what did you make of today? Yeah, I was at the game. Um, I think you mentioned it earlier. I'd say frustrating was a key sort of feeling. Obviously, don't begrudge any team coming to the Etihad and clinging on to what they've got. You know, like you say, slowing it down. 11 men behind the ball. Um, I think, you know, it, I, if you were a fan of the other team, it would be nice to see you go on attack. But the the logical thing, the pragmatic thing is to just try and hold us down, try and restrict us. Um, anything else from that is a bonus, really. Uh, so that's what Everton's game plan was today. And I think um, it's, I, I never worry, um, even going into sort of, 70 minutes at nil nil. I never worry. I always feel like we can go on and win because we've just done it so many times. Um, and I think that mentality is within the team as well. You know, we never panic. We never stray from from what Pep wants them to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think as well within the stadium, it was also a bit sort of quiet because it was a, a half 12 kickoff. It always affects the atmosphere. I was hoping with the fact that they'd swapped around and they were attacking the south stand in the second half. That would perk it up a bit. And for the goals, it was good. But a lot of the time, it was very quiet. Us and them, I thought the other fans were very quiet as well. Good point. So, that. yeah, just... Uh, and Pep even brought that up, didn't he, at the uh, the pre-match press conference about the, the anxiety of playing at 12.30. Yeah, and uh, I think Jurgen Klopp has been very outspoken about them. So, we seem to have dumped, been dumped with them all now. We've got we've had a lot coming up. Um yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know if the 
the players don't get much chance in the morning to to get themselves into that mentality, and you know it takes an hour of the actual game to get into that the the form and the fitness. So obviously, I'm no professional. Brian could probably tell us more, but I assume there's got to be a few hours of preparation before a game. You can't just sort of wake up, drive to the stadium, and play football. So maybe even getting up earlier is affecting that body rhythm. Who knows? Um, but it is interesting. It always feels like the, the twelve o'clock, the, the half twelve home fixtures always have been a bit slow. And even Liverpool recently was the half twelve, and normally that's one of our biggest games of the season. But even that was a bit sort of flat, and we didn't win. You know, it was a good game, but we didn't win. So maybe it's obviously it's always going to be around for TV. That's we, we get paid good money as as a football team to to play these fixtures. So I don't can't see it changing anytime soon, but. I'm sure if you looked into it, there'd be some sort of statistical data to show that games change for the half twelve kickoff. Well, let's ask Brian. I mean, I don't. Would you have dealt with twelve thirty kickoffs during your time as player and manager very often, Brian? Not so much as a, as a player because you know it wasn't Sky wasn't around and 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 all the live games weren't around. So I, I say say for example Brighton when I was playing for Brighton, we we would meet at about uh, quarter past eleven at a hotel in Ove. Then the manager Alan Murray would take us for a walk down the seafront. Uh, if it wasn't pouring down rain, obviously, uh, to get some fresh air into us and have a little stroll, and then come back pre-match about quarter twelve. My pre-match was always scrambled eggs, poached eggs. Uh, other lads would have steak. They would have uh, Dover sole. I, I used to say, say to Mark Lawrence, and he would have a steak. Uh, Mark, just give us a little sliver of your steak, please, would you? Just a little. <laughs> I'm having scrambled. So you get into a routine. That's what I'm trying to say, really. And then you, you, we'd have a team talk. We'd want a bit, a bit of football focus, and then go to the Goldsman for about one thirty. Now, can they do that? No because the, the, the players will have to probably be together on a Friday night, so they will travel in together on the coach on Saturday morning. They can't risk them driving in from wherever they're coming from, wherever parts of, of Manchester, that they might get involved in a smash or something happened. So it's totally, it's totally different now. But to, to do it, to, the, to answer your question, to do it for, for that time of kickoff completely breaks your, your routine. So I I wouldn't have liked to do it. you have to you have to do it I mean because the money as as you just said there the money from Sky is absolutely incredible so these are the things that they have to get on with but uh, they always used to say top players can just do anything can't they and generally they can you know and that's that's what happens generally with with City they they'll although Crystal Palace did a job on them like like they've done today where they're 2 nil down, they're defending, 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 put two strikers on, had a bit of a go and, and got a point out of it. They should never have got a point out of it, to be fair, but but they did, and that's what sides, as they're just alluding to there, that they come and hope they might get a set piece, score a, a goal and then defend even deeper. Because it, it, it is, it's crazy. It's like almost, uh, from Edison, the, the whole of the, the other 21 players... Are in are in the the opponent's halves. It's, it's just it's just unbelievable. So obviously there's no space in there. There's no great space. That's why you know they wanted Doku maybe to to be uh, more having having to go at the fullback and creating things when they do get the chance. But it, it, they double up on 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 wingers and and stuff like that. so. They're going to make it hard because City are so good. Let me bring in David. Who I know we do we record the um, the these. Uh, podcast by Zoom, just to explain, and I know David's probably sat in a place where you can hear a little bit of background noise of something going on, but so if you're wondering what the occasional noise in the background, but we can forgive that. Um, David, uh, what, what did you make of today's game? What where, where are you at at the moment with City? Yeah, I think I think Pep manages his squad well, doesn't he? he, he you know, that's one thing I'll give Pep. He's very good at managing his squad of players. You know, it's 38 games, slogging it in the Premier League. But Champions League, you know, coming up, that'll soon kick back into gear. So I think I think he can look at games and put sort of fringe players in like Nunes. And I think he kind of knows he'll have to get away with it. I think some managers can do that in games. I think they take stock of what they've got. I think, well, it's like anything. You know, it's like any workplace. You know, it's like you can get away with a limited number of staff on a certain shift. They'll try and do it to save a bit of money or whatever. Same in football. They might think, well, I can get away with it today. We're playing a bit of a below-par Everton team. I think Nunes is good enough to go in there and get us through the 90 minutes. And But I do think Haaland was a difference today. I know people have said De Bruyne, but I think Haaland's a difference because he's just lethal, isn't he? 
you know, he's lethal in front of goal, Harley. Don't miss many chances when you're in front of goal. He's a lethal player. Um, so I think he was a difference today. You know, seven chances fell to someone else. Alvarez can be a little bit hit and miss sometimes. He's not as clinical, I don't think. I think he's a good player. I'll just think Harlan's leafly in front of goal. Give him a, give him half a chance and it'll fuse the onion bag with him. Um, but no, I just think I think Pep manages his squad really well and he has done for the last six, seven years, hasn't he? You know, he's been here. He's managed it really well and I think that's testament to him what a great coach he is. I think all the great coaches, they don't just manage 11 players well. They can manage a squad well, can't they? You know, I think that's what Pep's good at. So uh, I'm no worries. I think as long as we're still in within touching distance for ten games to go, I fancy our chances. Just got to stay in contact with the top top leaders at the moment, which are Liverpool. Just stay on the coattails and we get to the home run. The last eight games of the season, I, I wouldn't bet against us. Not every, any usual, but I wouldn't. What did you think then of the it being a twelve thirty kickoff? Did you detect a slightly different lower key atmosphere? Um, I guess so, yeah. But I think there's a lot of home games I go to at City over over a season. And the atmosphere we can kick off at three o'clock, and the atmosphere is not brilliant. I just think that's the way the stadium is, and a lot of stadiums are like that. A lot of home stadiums. I mean, Tottenham have built this fantastic brand new stadium. I don't think it's made the atmosphere any better. I think you usually find the away fans are the ones that bring the atmosphere. Um, of course, if it's a big game like Real Madrid in the Champions League last season, the place was absolutely hopping. You know what I mean? Because we knew the, how big the game was. But when it's like sort of middle of the season, one of the mill games, I just think the atmosphere is like that generally anyway, regardless of the kickoff, in my opinion, anyway. You know, I just think regardless, I think sometimes I've been at games at a normal kickoff times and the atmosphere has not been the best. I just think it's, I think it's just the way it is now, home games, you know, unless it's a real sort of big game and the fans get right up for it. Um, but no, I think, in general, I think most home atmospheres for most clubs is not the best. Even Anfield isn't, you know. European nights, yeah, but you know, there's a lot of games at home Anfield play, and the atmosphere is not not the best there, you know. But there's a number of reasons for that, I think, isn't there? Absolutely. I mean, one of the questions I asked today, uh, the fans that I bumped into, um, was the story that I saw floating around this week, which may just be pie in the sky. I don't know, but. Uh, I just wanted to know how City fans felt about it, that United were going to build this new Wembley of the North, 90,000, and that they might try and persuade City to somehow come in with them. Um, and even if that didn't happen, that they would have a to fi possibly find a home temporarily while it's being built. And these are all pie-in-the-sky things. But I thought, I just wonder how City fans would feel about that, you know, uh, about... United playing at, at the Etihad or City moving into a new stadium. You're shaking your head, Brian. I mean, you've worked in the inner sanctum of City. It's not going to happen, that, is it, under any circumstances? I I, I didn't read that one. I obviously read about United getting a new, uh, a new stadium. Um, I can't see City sharing with United, can you, and, and helping them out? Why, why would you? Why would you want to? Um, City Stadium is fantastic. Yeah, they, they're making it bigger. They're building the arena around the back. They got the stadium over the road with all the training ground facilities, which is the best in the country. They're 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 right up there with everything they do, um, and that's why they attract top players. That's why they've got Ireland and De Bruyne and people like that because they can attract them because they're they're the best at what they do. You know, Tiki and 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 Pep with all the transfers, they pull they pull players out of nowhere, don't they? Where you think, well, why haven't United got them or Arsenal have got them? What why haven't they? You know, because they're such a a well-run, well-oiled team with with teams all over the world, you know, in Australia, in Spain, and uh, it's just an incredible setup. And you know, I mean, Pep, Pep's a, Pep's the top man of it, isn't he? I mean, they couldn't have done anything without the the, the demands and and the, and the uh, the stuff that he's brought to to the to the football club. You know, it's like say, take one example: the inverted fullback. Where where you know the John Stones goes into midfield now you got three at the back and you got Stones the right back now playing the inverted uh, midfield player sorry he's gone into in, inverted fullback going into midfield he's just incredible what he pulls out the the and he and he by the way I mean I I, I always watch and um, as I said before they they look after me great and I'm right behind generally behind the dugouts 
and and be the next manager. I always look to see what they're saying and what they're doing. You obviously I can't hear what they're saying, but I, I love to see the, their reactions to certain things, you know. And Pep, Pep today, even you know, even like a two nilly, he's still demanding that they do uh, things in a proper way, and that's that's what they are. Even Ireland, and I agree with what he just said there. Ireland's a special player, you know, and he 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 had a. Not a bad time in the last game he played. He had an air shot, didn't he? Where he went to shoot and had a complete air shot. But it's only a matter of time with him when he when he when he gets a chance he's going to score. And the first one was a great goal with his right foot, it's all left foot naturally. And and then when De Bruyne put him in, you think after he got the first one, he he just took it magnificently. I'm going to ask you this question because I've asked it on a couple of podcasts with other people that I've had on. But since you are an ex-manager and obviously a, a player as well. Um, and this is the impossible question to answer, I suppose, in a way. But what is it that makes City so special? I mean, I was watching them at, at Brentford on Monday and the intensity with which they play, and it, it, it just never, ever drops. Every player seems to want to win every tackle and you don't see a single player switch off for a moment. Is that the difference? And how does Pep achieve that with his players? It's not just Pep that you know. It's that that is the the, uh, the players demanding it uh, from themselves. You know, he's brought Walker on today. Who's, for me, he's the best right back in in the country by miles at this present time. He brings Kevin De Bruyne on. He brings Bernardo Silva on. I mean, they're three world class players. All of a sudden, you know, it's nil nil. So he needs to do something. Bang on he goes, and and they can change the game. He brings really on hundred million pound player. I mean that's that's the substitutes that can come on and, and change the games and that what that's what you need. Um and he, he wants them to be like that from first minute, not not just oh well, you know, we'll we'll go through the motions and we'll keep the ball and, and play and play and play. And he goes mad sometimes. I watch him where to keep the ball and he the, the, the players play the wrong pass because he should have played more of a incisive pass and he hasn't played it. And perhaps it's like shaking his hands and because he's 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 just um Everything has to be right, you know. It's not just little things, big things, you know. And he, he he's, he's not frightened, obviously, because he's, he's handled big players all his life and uh, he will continue to do that. And um, I can't see anybody beating City. I, I, I just can't see anybody stopping us. You know, I, I, I'm not a great betting man, too, but, but I can't believe that I never backed the treble last year because I said it from from a, a, a quite a long way out that they'll win the treble. You just mentioned the Real Madrid game there. That is one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. And David Pleat, who's my old boss, who's a football purist, he rang me after about 40 minutes of that game. I'm in the director's box watching us murder at Real Madrid and the phone goes, David Pleat, oh, what do you want now? And he said, Brian, that is the best football that I've ever seen in my life. See you later, speak to you later. And he rang me up just to tell me that. And it, and it, and it was, wasn't it? It was just sublime. It was just, it was just out of this world, football. And they're capable of that. So he, he'll know... He'll know, and I think the players know generally, what his best eleven is. If he's going to play a top side, he will play his best eleven. I mean, Foden's having a, a great time at the moment. What a prospect he is at the moment. Uh, Rodri, holding midfield player, the best in the world. They haven't lost him in, in nearly a year now. When he's played he's a game... Year. Yeah, he's gone a full year. He's done a full year. When he plays, they don't lose the game. I thought I was a decent old midfield player, cheesy. When I look at that comparison, and and I, I love the last one there. Fernandino was one of my favourite players because for me, he didn't get the credit that he deserved when they're all going to play. Bernardo Silva and David Silva and and all them are playing. Mares and all that, and and it was the old midfield player, Fernandino, great player in my opinion. And 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 Rodriguez took it to a different level now because he's capable of getting great goals, which he's which, which he gets. Are you suggesting, by the way, Brian, that you think City are going to win the treble again this season? I, I, I honestly think they've got a great chance. I can't, I can't see anybody getting near them. You know, I watch, I watch the foreign football, I watch all the football, and I can't see with where with, with which I would consider. I'm not going to tell Pep, obviously, what I think is his best side. He knows miles more than me, but I think his best eleven is better than anything in the world. Wow. Uh, well, another question I want to ask. So, obviously, uh, I know that Will will be will have been in the South Stand, and I know there was a lot of banter between City and Everton fans. And I don't know if everybody saw the cartoon that was knocking around this week, calling it the game, the El Chitio. 
which I thought was quite funny, really, because, uh, you know, City fans will always be self-deprecating. Um, what what was it like in that City end? Was there a lot of baiting the... It certainly sounded like it, but baiting the Everton fans. Were they giving it back, or how did that work? Yeah, um, I think the funniest one I heard was, um, you're getting nowhere with cheating. <laughs> uh, sorry, cheating gets you nowhere. Cheating gets you nowhere, so... Like you say, it's it's typical City fans, really. There'll always be something that fans try and jibe us with. And the first thing we do is throw it straight back at them, sing it with pride, and just let them know that, you know, we'll still be here no matter what. Um, it's Yeah, like I say, it's, we've always had things to try and jibe up as a gauge before the money and now since we've been successful and after the money. Um, but yeah, we, we never let it affect us. Um, so they tried it, and like I say, within a couple of seconds, we were already singing a song straight back at them. And I think they realised it wasn't going to do any good trying to drive us. I'll ask this question to David in a moment because uh, I know it's 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 a subject close to his heart, like it is with a lot of City fans. But how do you feel as a just as a, a normal fan? How, do you feel anxious about this? 115 charges or hanging over City or do you feel relaxed or how do you feel as if I'm not expecting you to add any information but I just want to know how you feel as an ordinary fan um part of me you know wishes we were innocent and wishes we were clean and everything against us is a witch hunt uh obviously you have got to accept the fact that it could happen and we could get found guilty if that was to happen and we were to get relegated I think the majority of people inside that stadium today would still go. Um, how about yourself, Cheesy? Would you look forward to going to some more League Two grounds and League One grounds? Listen, I've been watching City since the 1970s, home and away. Uh, there you who go. they play and what league they're in makes no difference to me. So I would still be going um, ev to every match I could physically get to. Um, you know, it's two and a half thousand matches now. So why why would it change? You know exactly. I th and I, and I think the majority of people feel the same way. So if worst case scenario we did go down a couple of divisions, that's just a few years of different trips and different away days. And within a couple of years, obviously we'll still have the support of the shape. I don't think he's going anywhere. Within a couple of years, we'd we'd be right back up there again. So, worst case scenario is being relegated, but I don't think it'll change much in the long term. David, I know this is a subject that you and I have talked about off camera, as it were, or off uh, podcast. And I know you've also tried to ask people at City because you must have some anxiety or you, you wouldn't keep asking the questions. So tell us where you are and what you've heard. Uh, um, to be honest with you, I'm fed up of hearing about it off rival people, rival fans, rival clubs. Because at the end of the day, we're a football club who's got up there and done all right for ourselves. And it's football snobbery at its highest order. They don't like the fact that local city have got up there and done all right for themselves. If this FFP was around when Blackburn always were around, I don't think they would have been allowed to go on and do what they achieved. But we all look at Blackburn always like it's a fairy tale and it was magical what they did. A little town in Lancashire getting up there and becoming champions. Everyone thinks that's that's great. We all look back at Blackburn fondly, don't we? As It's a great story what happened at Blackburn. The trouble with City does continue to dominate and have success. If we just won one league title and disappeared into the distance, would have they, would have they been pushing this agenda? I'm not too sure they would have. It's annoyed me because I feel it's been brought in solely to stop us doing what we're doing, in my opinion. I don't think it works, FFP, because the very nature of it was brought in to stop clubs doing a better and going out of business. Well, if they're going to hit us and sanction us the way they're going to, it could effectively put City in a real precarious situation. Say, if they do put us in the bottom league, well, there's no guarantees the fans will turn up every week. I don't know. I don't know what financier will be left at as a football club. You know, would he not be left as a bit of a white elephant to the shade? He might pull his money out and think, this is, I'm not doing this anymore. We just don't know. You know, it's been brought in, in my opinion, to try and stop us. So that's what, like I, that's are, what I think. I, because I think like you are you... actually believing that this could be something that's going to happen to City. You, you sound anxious. Well, I am a bit anxious about it because we don't, we can't, the fans have kind of been left in the dark about it. But the, the reason I'm annoyed about it, say if City are found guilty 
and he and they hit us big time. The reason I'm annoyed about it is FFP wasn't around in the 1980s, was it? Or the early 1990s. So clubs could spend what they wanted back then. That's what I don't get. But they've obviously brought a new rule in to try and stop clubs like City getting... Look at Newcastle now. They've got more money than, than us. They've got an astronomical amount of money. There's a reason why they're not hitting the, the ceiling as high as quick, or as quickly as what we were. They're being restricted, aren't they? Newcastle are being restricted, as far as I can see. They're not being allowed to spend what they want. Well, I think that's wrong. They're trying to make football like it's a normal business, Ian. And it isn't a normal business. It's like Hollywood. It's fantasy. It's fairy tale. We all turn up to go and watch a game for two hours. It takes you out the real world for two hours. Yeah? You forget about the real world. That's what football is. It's like Hollywood. They've got all different production companies and they all have an X amount of money to spend on a new blockbuster film. And they're all trying to compete with each other, get the best actors in, right? With the biggest budget and see if they can smash it at the box office. They're all competing. They're not in the real world in Hollywood. The Premier League's not in the real world. So why are they trying to make it out like it's a normal business? Premier League football is not a normal business. It just isn't. Not like running a corner shop. It's an astronomical amount of money that they're all playing with. It's just it's just like a fantasy world. And we're just people that go along and get caught up in it. What my issue with it is, is they're trying to make it like it's a legitimate business. I don't think it's a legitimate business, Premier League football. I just don't. How can it be when, you come, when you're transferring players for X amount of millions? It's not a normal business, is it? It can't be. So, you, you know, just, just, just to, let them spend. Just let them spend what they want. You've tried to, to talk to people at City City, senior people, to ask them for reassurance. Have you had any response? Yeah, I've spoke to that Omar Barana, the one who's jumped ship to United. I got him just before Christmas, and he said, "Oh, don't." He said to me, "I said, what's going on with these charges?" And he said to me, "He said, don't worry about it. He says uh, the club's got nothing to hide." And then he said, "Just said, don't worry about it." And walked off. And I've had Tixie as well. I spoke to Tixie, and he just went, "Oh, it's a load of rubbish," and walked off. Don't worry about it. Mike Summerby, I've asked him. He said, "Don't worry about it." Everyone, everyone at City High up seems to be saying, "Don't worry about it." They don't seem concerned by it. I'm concerned by it because I've seen what they've done to Everton what they could do to us. But my my only issue of FFP is they're trying to make it like it's like it's a normal business. Football's not a normal business, is it, lads? No. But I don't I don't think it is. It's not like running a little bakery shop like what my dad had in women's show back in the seventies. You know what I mean? And he's got to watch his in his in his ingoings and his outgoings and his staff ways and all that. I don't think football's like that. It's just it's just like a world of fantasy. But they're trying to restrict it with these rules. I think they should just let everybody spend what they want. Brian, I, I wouldn't expect you to break any confidences. So when I ask this question, that's not the object of the question. But do you hear things? Do you ask questions of anybody? And how do you feel about it all? I do. I feel very calm about it. I can't believe the city have got an absolute, was your billionaire, the owner? People who are top, top drawing the professions that they've done before they've joined Man City, Tiki with Pep. I, I look at the deals they do, you know, for example, Sterling, Shinchenko, uh, Jizu, even Palmer. It's a great deal. So look at the money they bought in and they're trying to say money going out. I, I don't read it all because I think they're obviously after City a little bit, aren't they? They, they, they are, no two ways about it. But I think that City, who must have barristers and solicitors coming out of their ears saying, no, you can't do that, you break the law, you'll break the law. Because we can't break the law, can we? In our, our own environment at home and stuff, you can't do that. And they have experts saying, no, no, Pep, you can't do that. But I, I look at some of the deals they've done, I don't even know some of the players or heard of, and I've seen some uh, quite a lot, probably not as much since COVID, uh, for, for the 18s and 21s, so Foden and, and, and Sancho when they were playing in the youth team and the, in the FA Youth Cup against Wolves, and they looked up to be both going on. Look at the sale of that, of that one. And the, the money that they bring in, and what how clever they are, they'll they'll sell somebody for say fifteen million, and then he goes for thirty million, and City got the sell on, so they drag another few million in. I, I just don't know how they can be looking at and saying there's hundred and fifteen charges. What are the charges? They haven't they haven't told have they told City yet what the charges are? So it's it's just it's just a nonsense to me that I agree with what he's just saying there. If you've got the money. 
If I've got the money, why can't I go and buy a £5 million house? Why can't I? Am I breaking the rules? No, I'm not. If I'm a player and I can only afford a million pound house, then I buy a million pound house. And you and you live to, to, within your means. And I can't believe a club which, which I, I honestly, I feel very, very comfortable the city will be OK. And, and, and again, uh, this is not meant for you to name names, so please don't. But has anybody seen you actually had a word in the ear and said, Brian, relax? No, um, no. No, I, I haven't gone to, to that level, no, no, and I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be um what's the right word I'm looking for? Cheeky to ask that question. They could look at me and saying, What are you talking about? How, what do you what are you saying that for? I wouldn't even well, ask I've that question. <laughs> well yeah, I've, yeah, but, I yeah, him, yeah, but I I'm an ex manager I'm Yeah, I get that. Yeah, and I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask that questions to 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 professional people. Where I would I have broke those rules? So say I've got ten million at Oxford United, and I go and spend Maxwell's fifteen million. Am I breaking the law if he can afford another five million? Am I breaking the rules? No. Uh, getting... uh, the problem is though, Brian. Is my issue with it is this: the Premier League have set up some kind of an FFP. They set up a rule, and we've all got to play within these rules, right? They're saying we've done something wrong here in terms of breaking these rules. My issue is with this FFP is it's been brought in this FFP to stop us and stop but Newcastle. Should, but it and shouldn't. it shouldn't be. No, it, it shouldn't. shouldn't. I agree with you. I, I agree with I, you. It I agree with you 100%. It shouldn't be. If City can afford to go and buy all these players, why shouldn't they? If if Everton can't, their problem. Why can't the top clubs exactly. buy... Yeah, so if you go back to the 90s with United, they could spend what they want, couldn't they? They brought the British transfer record numerous times, United. They're spending what they wanted. Blackburn Rovers. If FFP was around in 1995, would have Blackburn been able to win the league? I don't think they would have. Because their income would have been nowhere near the level of what Man United was. They wouldn't have been able to go buy Alan Shearer for 15 million and numerous other players. You so did this right. FFP, you did know, right. And Wigan Athletic, actually, uh, you know, I mean, I remember when I was working at the BBC interviewing chief executive at the time at, at Wigan Athletic, and it was right at the beginning when City had been took over and there was a lot of rumour of how much City were going to start to spend. And I interviewed the chief executive of Wigan Athletic live on the radio and said, what do you think of it? And he said, it shouldn't be allowed. And I'm, I'm actually thinking to myself, and I think I challenged him on it and I said, hang on a minute, Dave Whelan, you know, is basically looking after your club and injecting your money into your club. I don't begrudge that. I, I, I'm, I'm really pleased for you. Uh, but, but why would you, as a chief executive at a club where you've got a, a, a rich benefactor, or like not at the shakes level, but somebody who's injecting money in and help them build a new stadium, sign some blood? Why would you object to it? And you exactly. made a great point there, Brian, because at the time you were at Oxford and the Maxwells, it, again, it was nothing compared to where we are these days with the billion billionaires, and we know the story of Maxwell anyway, and. And, and what, what was going on there. But nevertheless, he was injecting money in and nobody was stopping you. And, and why should they? Exactly. Why should they? I mean, Jack Walker, he bought them a league, exactly what we're all saying there. He built the, he built the new ground, which is a beautiful ground, apart from the, the, the one, the small one opposite that he couldn't build. So Shearer, the story was Shearer was going to Man United. Jack Walker comes in. Blows him out the water with terms of what he's paying him, and he goes there and he wins on the league. It was it was my last away game for City that one, and we, we beat we beat Blackburn, and everybody was. Uh, I was there, all, Brian. <laughs> all the I City fans, that, all the City fans, not wanted to win that night because we're handing the title to United. But luckily, luckily, uh, uh, Blackburn it was a great night. Pardon? It was a great night. Keith Kill penalty. Liam Gallagher was sat behind me, about four holes <laughs> behind us. The Gallagher <laughs> brothers. It was a great game. It was Paul a great Walsh, game. Paul Walsh. Monday night, Monday night on Sky was a good, good game of football. Yeah. Kenny Dalglish said to me after the game, quick story. He went, "Nobby, my nickname. Where's that team been all season?" I said, "Well, if it's fully fit, because that's what I was wanting to do. I was wanting to build a bigger squad because I hadn't got the squad to rotate like Pep can rotate now." But, um, but exactly, you spot on there. The Jack Walker did it. Mm -hmm. Well, it is the way, the, way, the way I look at it, Ian, with this FFP. If they want it, they're saying you can only spend so much of your income, aren't they? You can only spend a percentage of it. So if that's the case, how can someone like 
Burnley or Everton today, how can they ever compete with Man United, who's just an astronomical amount of money they earn around the world? You can never compete with them. So they've monopolised like, like, monopolize the league. You well, know, you're actually Liverpool. using the right word there, monopolise. It's like being in a game of Monopoly where some people have got hotels and all the properties and you're just trying to hop and avoid all those hotels. There's no way you can ever win the game. And as each season goes along and the income from the Champions League becomes bigger and the t top money at the top end of the Premier League becomes bigger, the gap becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Where are we going to be in 10, 20 years from now? And, and we're speaking as City fans, by the way. So... In theory, City do a, did a treble last year. They could do it again this year. Who knows what they could do again next year. So all that extra money that comes in, forget the charges just for a moment, but just look at all the money that's coming in, means that the spending power of City goes higher and higher and higher. Now, as Blues, we might want that and might be delighted that we can go out and get the best players. But if you're looking at the sport as a whole, that isn't good for the sport, is it? No, I think it should just be a billionaire's play club. Everyone will have a billionaire and they just spend what they want. It's not real world, it's just fantasy. It's down to other clubs to get creative and find another Arab owner. I'm glad Newcastle got bought out. I want them to get up there and win a few times. I'd love nothing more than see Newcastle do it. But they're being restricted, aren't they? They're not allowing them to. You know, at the end of the day, they're trying to, to normalise like it's a normal business. Well, it's not a normal business, football. You're dealing with you're transferring plays for X amount of millions. It's daft, really, when you think about it. Will, you know, let me, let me bring you. Go in. On. Sorry, you've Will, been, you've been there quiet saying yeah. things. So let, let's see what you've got to say. Um, I completely agree with the points that are being made. You know, it feels like FFP was was brought in to to draw draw the bridge behind the big clubs. I think we were just about lucky enough to sneak in. Although obviously the charges have said that. We managed to to do this sort of building up period, and we've done it illegally. So clearly, we were trying to get there before the bridge was brought up behind us. Um, I agree. There's got to be some sort of limit in terms of um, how how much money is put into the game. Um, how you accomplish this though is tricky. Uh, I think there's maybe an argument for a salary cap, um, which sort of limits limits what you can spend it does bring a bit of equality but then is all you're doing with that is is um depleting the overall quality of the league so instead of the premier league drawing the best players they'll just go to la liga and get more money instead so it is really tricky i think um maybe we've come too far down the line to try and stop it because you know we've seen clubs in the 80s like liverpool and united in the 90s they've managed to build up their their income and their revenue by signing huge sponsorship deals and floating on the stock exchanges and gaining advantages over other clubs to just say now that, right, that's it, that the wealthy clubs can stay wealthy and everyone else fight it out between yourselves. That's also unfair. So it's, it is a really tricky one to try and resolve because I think we have come too far down the line. There's so much money in football now that to just sort of, limit it and say right that's it you can't spend anymore is it's going to deplete the whole quality of the game and I think we've seen recently in this transfer window a lot of clubs were under pressure to sell to try and meet these FFP rules that they don't get points deductions and all that's doing is sending the talent out of the league and, and restricting who can be brought in and yeah it's I, I'm undecided really because I can, I can see both sides of the argument as to how to resolve the situation, really. You make a very, very good point there, Will, about this last transfer window and the fact that, you know, that, that apparently there are potential investigations into Aston Villa and Newcastle on the horizon if they don't sell players, believe it or not. So not, not only Newcastle can't bring anybody in, but they might have to sell somebody like Isaac just to make sure that they stay within the FFP rules. It is such a tricky one. So here's a, a more... Here's a general question, actually, that I don't often explore, but I've got three great people here to talk to about it who will have completely different ways of looking at it. Brian, you've been in the game for a long, long time. You had a book out and it was all about your thousand games, wasn't it, as a as a, as a manager? Um, but a, a lot more to it than that. You've, you've played the game, you've managed the game, and like me, 
you know, we're old. <laughs> so, therefore, I'm just curious to know whether you think football, this isn't just City, but football generally, has improved for the better during the time that you've been around and what you know involved in football, or whether and whether there are any downsides to to how it's changed. The conditions, uh, cheesy. The conditions in the training grounds. We used to train on Hove Park. It was just a park and train through the trees and people walking the dogs. This is a, a team that's in the top division. So uh, how did they evolve? Because the, the owner, Mike Bamba, was a wealthy guy. The owner now, Tony Bloom's a wealthy guy. But they could only do so much. They have to sell, they have to buy. Uh, and I'll, I'll go back to it again. How many players have City just sold recently for a lot, a lot of money? So they're balancing the books as well as... Uh, I know they bring him. Could they, could anybody bring Arlen in with the wages he, he's on? Probably no. Could anybody spend a hundred grand on Grealish plus his wages? Probably no. But City do it do a, a good job in selling as well, don't they? So that's so. In in my opinion, as a manager, I would have spent as much as I could, unless the chairman says to me, Brian, we can't spend anymore. I don't think those rules are in there to stop us. Maybe uh, who was the first million pound player, Trevor Francis? million pound to Nos Forest and and did anybody try and stop that then? No. So they say Nos Forest, not, not a massive club in terms of the size of it all, but they bought a million pound player. And um, nobody, Kevin Maxwell, when I was manager at Oxford Knight, I used to say to him, say, say Paul Simpson, for example, that I signed for from Man City. I, I, I would ring Kevin Maxwell up and say, Kevin, Paul Simpson, um, I spoke to, to, to them, they were selling for a quarter of a million. Just give me 10 minutes. He probably had to speak to his dad because at that time they owned Derby County and Oxford United. That stopped after one transfer, Dean Son. That stopped because you can't have uh, own two clubs because of the probably insider dealing, if you like. So I'd have to ring Kevin and say, what's, what's the deal? Uh, well, they want a quarter of a million for Paul Simpson. OK, yeah, you yeah, do that. You, you, Me, you know the boundaries. You do, you do his signing on finish wages. We didn't have... Sidekicks like you know directors of football and stuff like that. We did it ourselves, but we were in. Sometimes he would say, "No, we, we can't afford it," and I don't think it was because of the uh, of the football league saying we can't afford it. They're saying we can't afford it, so we're not going to drop the club into financial difficulties. And I think that's the major thing. Uh, is anybody in financial difficulties because of this? Well, if they are, they should be in trouble. A city in financial difficulties because of all the money they've spent and the players and 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 the money they bought in for the players, which I keep repeating myself. And the owners prepared to put a few bob, a few bob, a few million, a few bob. Um, what's what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? So all the city fans. And, and me, including Brighton, you know, they bought the boy Pedro from 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 Watford. What a player he looks! So why why should why should they stop us doing that? If we're football people, we're not breaking the rules in terms of uh, you know backhanders and stuff like that, which went on years ago, didn't it? And got stopped. And do you got to do it properly now? And which is which is right? And I I I personally don't see anything wrong as long as you can manage that football club in terms of the financial implications. How about the football then, Brian? Has the football changed for the better? It's, I mean, it used to be a bit more route one, didn't it? It was played on muddy pitches and now it's all slick passing. Do you prefer the football now? I'm not talking about City. Obviously, City is right at the top of the tree, but generally, or did you prefer it back then? Well, today, Peter Reid was there, Trevor Stevens was there, Adrian Heath there, watching Everton play. And I and we used to have a great battles with them when I was at Brighton and Luton. Uh, when I, wherever I played, you'd have battles with certain people. And Everton were a top side, weren't they? Absolutely top. And and no disrespect to to what they, they're having to do now, they're they're not on a par with what I would Kendall had with that team that were winning, you know, going into Europe and winning things. Um, so did anybody stop them doing that? Buying Andy Gray and buying Peter Reid and buying. I just can't get my head around it that these rules are stopping City being a top club. So what what's wrong with that? It's good for football. People have now got to, other clubs have got to aim to be as good as us. Like so, Real Madrid are nowhere near us at the moment. Barcelona are nowhere really near us. So they've had the time, and they're having the financial problems. But they're having the financial problems for what reason? Have they overspent? So if they've overspent, well, yes, because you wouldn't do it. In in your own life, would you? You 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 just wouldn't do it. Overspending, and I'm, oh, I'm in financial trouble now because I've just bought two Mercedes and I've got a million pound house. 
I haven't, but that's what I'm just saying. That's what that's what what, what, what it comes down to for me. We bought Mark Lawrence, and he went on to be a top top player from from Preston to to Brighton. Uh, and what was he then? I don't know. Hundred grand. Hundred grand was a lot of money then. To, to buy a player for Steve Foster, who appointed a play for England. Top players, so did we get restrictions because because we're buying top players for Brighton or Albion? I just don't, I, honestly, I just can't get my head around it. I think people are very jealous, envious, um, that they can't live with us at the moment in terms of whatever we want to do, in terms of the training grounds and what the fly to play. We, we flew. Uh, Brighton were British Caledonian, so we flew to games even in those days, which was which was fantastic. But I think I think people are just so envious of what City are achieve, achieving. Um, is Pep is Pep worried about it? He might be, but it, it's not stopping him doing what he does. He's doing his job because he wants to win games of football. And if he asks them for money for Nunes and for Kovacic and for Ireland and whatever, and they say yes. Is he going to say, oh, no, no, I, I don't want them because I, I might be breaking the rules? No, I can't see it. Tiki, Tiki's, they're, they're so clever. They're so clever. I don't mean clever in terms of dodging things. I'm clever in the way they run things, the academy and and and, and what they do and what they're doing now with the with, with surrounding the, the, the stadium. Mind-blowing. Let me ask you two then, uh, as fans, uh, Will and David, about football and... Obviously, Will, you know, I know you're a lot younger, so you won't have seen quite as many changes, uh, and David as well. Um, do, you, do you think football on and off the field is changing for the better? Will? Um, I think in terms of... I always have arguments with my friends, you know, hypothetical football arguments, and I'm insistent that, let's say, for example... Luton or Sheffield United, this current Luton or Sheffield United team, I genuinely believe that they could beat the 1970 Brazil team, for example. Um, I think I think the skill level has just skyrocketed, you know, in terms of sports science and data and extracting every last sort of um, detail that you can. I think that in terms of the pure quality on the pitch and the speed and the athleticism is is improved tenfold uh in terms of off the pitch you know uh, from what i can gather football is is a lot safer to go to and a lot more family friendly than it used to be it's a lot more open and inclusive so in that sense it's good but maybe it's also been a bit washed down uh you know to, to include families some of the more sort of um Colourful aspects of the game have, have, have maybe been eroded away. You know, the, the, the fans and the interactions, possibly for the good, you know, obviously getting rid of hooliganism and things like that. But it also takes away a bit of the charm maybe as well. So, like I say, it, it's great in the fact that it's open and inclusive and available as a, as a product and as a, a media outlet for people to watch and to enjoy around the world. Um but the, I think, yeah, it's it's taken away from something as well. It's taken away from the, the live fan experience, possibly. David, you got any uh, views on, on this? Um, you obviously, uh, you know, I see you about out and about giving me your opinions. Share what you think. Yeah, you, you... I, I totally agree with, uh, with Will. Bang on the money there. I think the game has moved on. Um you know, you look at some of the players you're playing the game now, it's a lot more professional. You watch some of the games back in the sort of early 90s, the footballers then. And we had like Ricky Oldham running down the wing for City. You could tell he had a couple of pints of beer the night before. You know what I mean? He, I don't think players can do that now. So he's definitely moved on from that point. But he's right in terms of it's lost its charm a little bit. Some of the sort of unsavory characters you got on the terraces, you could kind of bring a, make the atmosphere of kind of been, I think they've been lost. So I think there's a certain type of fan who's been shut out a little bit. Um, but that's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? Um, but I think it's moved on for the good of the game. Um, but yeah, I think it's, like you said, it's lost. It's lost maybe the atmospheres and that. Maybe it's lost its atmosphere a little bit in the Premier League, maybe certainly at home games, unless it's a real big game. I think, I don't know, I think the, I think the atmospheres have been affected. <laughs> but that's, there's, again, there's a whole a host of other reasons with that when you start going into with the Hill Green incident and they had to go all seaters all seated stadiums after that and whether that affected things. I mean, I started going to football in the early nineties, so things were just starting to become all seater then. 
Brian will know because he was manager of City at the time. I think you were there when the kip was being changed to a seat, all seated from a terrace. So from sort of the early 90 onwards, I think the atmosphere slowly started to get affected because of that. Um, but the game has moved on. Like, like Brian said, the training ground, and what the players are eating now. I mean, Phil Foden's got his own chef. Even when Brian was playing, I probably had to make his own meals. You know what I mean? The I still do. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but Phil's got his own. Phil's got his own chef now. So it's like, wow, how it's moved on. But on the FFP thing, I don't want people thinking he's a moaning old city fan here and spitting his dummy out. He's not. My my beef with it is, I'm sure FFP was brought in to stop things like Berry FC going out of business, right? But the very nature of it, what they're doing to Everton. If they stick to this point deduction and it relegates Everton, that could really harm them as a football club. Could put them into administration. So the very nature of it is there to stop clubs getting into trouble. But by sanctioning them, he's putting them in trouble, isn't it? So the, the very rule itself is penalising clubs so much that it, it, it was brought in to stop them from getting into trouble. It's going to put them into trouble. That's my kind of... Maybe I've read it wrong. I don't know. Maybe I've read it wrong. But, but you know, in terms of the money in the game, I'm very, I think the players are a little bit to blame. I mean, Brian might not like hearing this, but I think the players now are a little bit to blame because they're wanting more and more money. So the nature of that is the clubs need a rich benefactor to support that. I think agents and players, agents are massively involved now. You know, they're definitely going in the office and they're seeing a player who's on, you know, 70 grand a week and, you're, you know, and his clients playing better than him and he's, he's produced more for the team. He's going to be knocking on the manager door going, well, I want more money than him. So I think the players are a little bit to blame because they're wanting more and more money. Um, but in terms of the FFP thing, I'm not going to keep harping on about it. Well, I am, I? but it's just, it's annoyed me. It has annoyed me. You know, Ian, it's annoyed me because I think it's been brought into restrict clubs in a way and, and, you know, like, you look at Newcastle, I'd love nothing more than to see Newcastle get up there and win a few league titles. I, I genuinely would. I mean, it'd be great for Newcastle and their fan base to wait a long time, long-suffering like what we were. You know, why can't they get up there and spend what they want, their own? Why not? Why is this, you're not allowed to spend what you want? No. I find it crazy. I do agree with you about Newcastle. And and um, and and actually, I think that the 10-point deduction that Everton have had seems very harsh to me. But we'll, we'll see see what happens. I'm gonna we're gonna bring the the podcast to a conclusion, and I'm gonna just ask one more question to to Brian really, which is, um, you know, we're looking ahead now to the Copenhagen game in the Champions League, the first leg of the last sixteen game, and um, you've obviously already, uh, hopefully, um, you know, pointed City towards, uh, you know, another treble. So do you do you see the Champions League as being just as winnable as it was last year for City, because they really did make easy meat, really, of some of the biggest clubs in Europe, didn't they? And should should beat Copenhagen, let's face it. They should do. Uh, you, you you never know at that level. But um, it's the same again. If you look at what's around, the teams that are around are having not good times, that I can see City really doing it. I, I honestly believe they've got a squad, and it is a squad, They've got a fantastic squad of players. Um, you know, for example, Aki's one of my favourite players. Aki, whether he plays left side centre back or left back, I think he's been a terrific signing. Um, the signings are fantastic. They are whatever they've done. So what we're all saying here: why, why should they stop you doing that if you can afford it? They know that the owners of these clubs are very, very, very wealthy people. So the only way they can stop it is saying, right, okay, that is the limit. You can't, or should it have been capped? Maybe. Should transfer fees been capped? Should should salaries have been capped? Maybe. Uh, for what we earned when we were players, it was still good money, but now it's unbelievable money. But these guys, like say Kevin De Bruyne, he's the best in the world. So why shouldn't he be paid as the best in the world up there with, with all the other you know, different kinds of sports that earn that kind of money. What? Why? Sh why shouldn't he? Why? Why should they be restricted? So if City can't afford to 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 pay him, then he moves on. He moves on and then goes somewhere else that maybe can afford him. But as it stands at the moment, I I, I just love watching City. I love you know they bring Bernardo Silva on today and he just comes on and he he what what a top player. They've just got so many top players within that football club. 
been a joy listening to you, Brian, and obviously thanks very much to uh, Will and David as well. Uh, and just a reminder, again, Counting King, just Google them. They're at Salford Keys, um, and they are brilliant at business loans, R&D. I highly recommend them and other people who run the place. Uh, and so I'm not just doing this as a false sort of recommendation. I've seen some of the work that they do, and they're very, very good. So if you're involved in a company or have a company, reach out to them and they'll they'll do the best for you. Um, but thanks very much to the three of you. And uh, I'll be, of course, going over to Copenhagen. Uh, if you haven't already checked out the Match Day vlog on YouTube, go and do that. If you're just listening to the podcast, make sure you subscribe. It's free, of course. Um, and uh, uh, keep listening and, and supporting the Blues. And, uh, and if you don't remember anything else from this podcast, but you remember this, just remember this one thing. It's great to be a Blue.